0: another new episode from the coatings pro interview series my name is ben dubos host this is another episode in our member profile series spotlighting longtime members of nace international or SSPC, the society for protective coatings and of course now the newly merged organization known as amp the association for materials protection and performance today we've got a great guest brad wilder of ntech contracting brad is big in the bridge painting industry with InTech, but he's also big with AMP where he chairs multiple committees, very involved both from an industry level, of course, with his day job and on an association level with what he's doing for AMP in his spare time. Brad, thanks for joining the podcast, how are you?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, doing great.
0: Yeah, and I think a good place to start, of course, I introduced um, you and your company just to give a little bit of background, but I'm sure you can do it a lot better than i can so for anyone that doesn't know you just um tell our audience some of your career highlights and the path that led you to Intech, and of course what you're doing at in these days
1: yeah so i think a lot of people come on the podcast here and they talk about growing up in the business and I, I grew up in the construction business but not in coatings not in bridges or anything like that my family going back i don't know how many generations were in building construction So I went to college for civil engineering, construction management, and after a few years, I landed with Intech through a classmate, actually. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I I had no idea what I was getting into. You know, Intech is known as a bridge repair contractor not just paint. Uh, We also do support services for bridge inspection. But in the past, the company had done water and wastewater, and they had done buildings and structural steel. And when I started, we had a street sweeping contract. So all these different things that the company did – and at the time, they had actually gotten out of paint for a while. So when I interviewed, they were not doing paint. So, you know, six weeks or so into the job that had all changed, uh, this paint job came up pretty close to the office and they sent me to the pre-bid and I had no clue what I was doing. You know, I'm the guy sitting there at the conference table, furiously taking notes and everybody, you know, this is a tight knit industry. Everybody knows everybody else. And they're like, who's this guy sitting here taking all these notes and taking interest in this job? So turns out we got that job. And that was my first paint job, uh, painting 20 bridges in the Cincinnati area. And I got to spend a lot of time on site. I'm really grateful for those guys on site that sort of took me under their wing and and taught me the industry. And we used that job to do our initial QP1, QP2 audits under SSPC. So, you know, that, of course, opened up the national market to us. And we we went from there, ran with it. And in the last... Because it's been almost 13 years now we've gone to, I think it's nine states. I've done about 30 projects with NTECH and a little over $200 million in contract revenue, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. You're going to hit your decade with N-tech, um next year, right?
1: Uh, I've actually been with InTech since 09, So.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Sorry. I uh, 2013, I was looking up your bio. 2013 was when you took over as a uh, bridge painting division manager, right?
1: Right. That's when uh, we started to get a little bigger, started to add some staff. So my, gotcha. uh, my responsibilities expanded gotcha.
0: from there. So, yeah, so it's been 13, 14 years since you joined InTech. How have the technologies and, you know, I suppose from your perspective as a services provider, uh, the services themselves, the techniques evolved over that time. What are some things that you can do now in 2022 that um, that maybe you couldn't or maybe it's a regulatory trend. And so you didn't do it a certain way in 2009, 2010. What's right. different for you these days with your job?
1: So I, I actually, I saw your story this morning about drones in the May issue. And I, yeah, I wish I could talk about robots and drones and all that <laughs> those cool toys, but I don't right. have expertise in that. But I think one area of technology, it's not as flashy, but has huge potential is getting quality timely data from the field. Um, you had I know Ross Boyd from QC. on, you've had uh, Joe Walker from Alcometer talking about, you know, innovations in QC instruments. When I started, everything was on paper. You know, you would write everything down, it would go to the folder. Even the instruments that would output data, what do we do with them? We print it out and put it in the folder. Uh And you know, getting information about what's going on on the job, it might be days later until you get that information. So now we've got apps, we've got better cameras, we've got better instruments. And I think it's gonna be really useful to our QC efforts in particular, to be able to see this data in as near real time as we can. Now, I think there's a a paradigm in this industry of inspection-driven quality control, where you go in after you do the work, the QC comes in to inspect, everybody stops to wait. You do some rework, maybe you do another inspection, maybe you do a QA inspection, and it all kind of becomes very inefficient. There's a lot of standing around and waiting. Uh And a lot of industries have abandoned that already. You know, manufacturing QC is a process control. You're you're controlling the work so that you get a good result before it's ever inspected. And I, I think there's a lot of opportunity in industry to move that direction to where we're using the data in real time to control the process so we never have defects in the end that have to be corrected. So, you know, as far as regulatory changes, uh, we definitely are seeing uh more worker safety environmental regulations um you know there's a lot of talk about osha ratcheting down the allowable blood lead concentrations for Mm -hmm. lead abatement workers so you know maybe that's where we see the robots come in maybe a few years from now the blasters instead of holding a nozzle they're going to be holding the remote control that controls the robot that's holding the nozzle
0: you mentioned sspc and nace and amp already uh, beyond just being involved with the association, you also work with Codings Pro Magazine, which is now uh, a member magazine of AMP, and you guys at intech were a winner in our 22 contractor awards for the Long Island Bridge job that you guys did in Shreveport, Louisiana. We also had a project profile on that in our May print issue, so if you haven't already, uh, access your print issue, or you can also uh, Google May 2022 uh, Coding's Pro and find it that way as well to read about that project, which again was a winner in our 2022 Contractor Awards. Um, what stood out to you about that project? What was uh, unique about that that made it memorable for you during your career?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks to Codings Pro for such a nice article about the job. We saw that this week and it's, it's really exciting to see that in print. Uh, as I said, uh, you mentioned the award. I, I said in the award video that I call it a postcard project. You go to town, you walk into a gift shop, or a hotel and there's your bridge on a postcard because it's a centerpiece to the town. And that was this one. It's right in the middle of Shreveport. Uh, the bridge I think was built in the 30s. So, you know, the whole town has memories of the bridge. Uh, it's important to the town. It's it's the centerpiece. And it's right in the middle of everything. There were restaurants and stores, casinos, literally under the bridge. So it, it was a challenge. It was a challenge to, you know, make sure containments were tight, to not make a mess and not break anything. But also just to work with everything that's going on going on under the bridge, all the hubbub and the events and people coming and going, on, particularly on the weekends and at nights, and it, it was a challenge. But in the end, because it is a centerpiece bridge, it's really rewarding to see it done. You know, this this bridge hadn't been painted since the early '80s, and it really needed it. And I think it it's better protected for one, but it, it's it looks nice. It's um, something the community can be proud of.
0: As far as the association. We're gonna get to the things you're doing now for AMP and your role on various committees, but I wanna start with how you got started with uh, SSBC in particular. I know you've mentioned that a few times. Um, At what point in your career did you get started in the association world? And how have those types of organizations, be it events, certification, education, how have they impacted your career as you were growing in this industry?
1: Yeah, it's it's been a long sort of snowballing process for me. So I actually joined both organizations very early in my career. I joined NACE. Uh, the company put me through the first level of Codings Inspector program mm-hmm. my first year. So I joined NACE at that time. And then we were also trying to get our SSPC uh, QP certifications, which we're now calling Accreditations, Company Accreditations and AMP. So I joined SSPC uh, to go through that process. But I was a lurker for a long time. I mean, I would go to the trainings. I would maybe walk the expo floor. I didn't get involved in anything other than that. I didn't do committees, anything like that. And then I'm thinking it was around 2015. This was the year that the conference was in Vegas, the SSPC conference, Mm -hmm. when we were starting to roll out the CAS program, the coding application specialist. So there was a lot of interest in the contractor community about how this is going to work. What is it going to require of us? And I really just felt like I need to go get involved. I need to see what's going on. So under SSPC, there was this committee called PCCP, the Painting Painting Contractor Certification Program Advisory Committee, that's a mouthful. And they were having a meeting, public meeting to talk about this topic. And I said, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get involved. It was so crowded. There were a bunch of us standing in the hallway, peeking in the door, trying to hear what was going on. And that's when I thought, if I want to influence this industry, I can't be standing in the hallway. I literally need to get a seat at the table. So I, I dug up contact info for the chair for Rich Capilupo and I emailed him and I said, Hey, if there's ever an opening, I'd be interested in being on this committee. So he said, okay, let's meet up. So we met up in the lobby, you know, next to the casino, next to this big statue of Elvis and talked about it. And it turns out there was an opening that year and uh, he gave it to me and I got on that committee and then the next year, so this, this whole CAS issue sort of blew over and got settled. The next year, an issue came up about subcontracting rules in QP1 <clears> and QP2. And the, the PCCP, this is my my first meeting on the committee, uh, yep. PCCP decided that this issue could not be solved in an advisory committee. It needed to go to the standards. So the, the QP programs are built on a consensus standard document that's published. That committee is normally not always open. It's usually every five years it opens up. And the the PCCP committee requested that the standard be opened so that we could address this subcontracting issue in the standard. And I put in my name uh, to chair that committee. And for whatever reason, the board chose me to chair that committee. And it was uh, exciting and a little terrifying, but uh, we got it done. It took a couple years and we revised that QP one standard and published it uh, about a year before the merger.
0: Fast forward to today, what are the committees that you're doing right now? I know you've been talking about committees the last few minutes and explaining sort of their role in your development with the associations. What are you doing moving forward and why are those such a good use of your time? Because clearly it's not your day job. Your day job is with Intec. So I guess number one, what are you going to be doing the next few months? And secondly, why is it so important to you?
1: Yeah, so I, I have two, I guess, major roles now in AMP. I was not super involved in the transition for one. We got the QP1 document published, and I needed a break. <laughs> I told people I was retired gotcha. from standards development for a while. So I, the, the transition happened. You know, I, I stayed, you know, on the fringes, watching what was going on. And then um, I was asked to chair what is now a standing standards committee, SC25, which oversees all of the QP documents. So it, it was important to me... That there be continuity. I mean, we all want to make this merger work. We don't want everything to be starting from scratch. So, because I had been so involved before, I said, sure, I'll do it. And, you know, I want to make sure that we're not starting everything off with new people who don't sort of understand the nuances and, you know, the politics, to be honest, of how these things were done in the past. And then, also, um, we have these new, in the merged organization, what they call program committees. And I put my name in to be on a, a couple of program committees. You can only do one. And uh, <clears throat> one thing I I did mention before is a few years into my career, I went to business school. I went back part-time and got my MBA. And so you know I have some, some financial knowledge. And one of the committees I put in to be considered for was the Finance and Audit Committee, which works pretty closely with the boards. So I, I was put on that committee. And a few months in, the chair of that committee decided he was ready to retire. So they asked me to chair that committee as well. That's how I ended up chairing two committees. But, you know, it's neat to see on one hand, I'm on the standard side. I'm on the the technical side of the organization, you know, the, the accreditation side of the organization. On the other hand, I'm getting to work with the staff leadership, the boards to make the financial decisions and, you know, do a lot of the things that are still going on to make this merger work. And it's important to me because i want it to succeed i want this merger to succeed these Mm -hmm. organizations have really long histories and i I think it's a worthwhile thing to do to try to help make them succeed so
0: yeah absolutely i think that's a great ambition i want to ask you at a higher level than just any particular committee just about the overall success as you were saying and what you're hoping to see i suppose i'll i'll ask this in two parts number one What can AMP potentially do with the combination of SSPC and NACE that the organizations couldn't do separately? What are some of the things you're hoping to see now that they're combined? And then the second part of the question is, what are the things that need to be preserved from the organizations as they were? And how do you find that balance?
1: Yeah, the good thing about these two organizations is there wasn't a ton of overlap, a ton of competition. There were, there was in some places, you know, in particular like coding inspector training, but both organizations had a lot of really good things. You know, I think I'm biased here, but I thought the, the QP programs were, were great. You know, I, I took NACE's, uh, the CIP inspector program class, and I, that was great. That was my sort of technical introduction to the industry. So I, I think those those good mature programs that are working well definitely need to be preserved. You know, what's going well, um, you know, I I believe in the saying, iron sharpens iron, that we can learn from each other, Uh, we can make each other better. And I know since the merger, I've already met people that I didn't know. They're even, you know, in little pockets of my industry that I have never come across, and they're becoming friends and mentors and collaborators. And I know that that's being repeated across the organization right now, right? There's thousands of us, and we're all making those connections and building relationships and doing new interesting things and and creating new innovations. So I I think if nothing else, the merger makes it worthwhile to create those relationships in our industry, and it's going to make our industry stronger.
0: What advice do you have for people that are new to the coatings industry or let's say someone that's new to InTech, perhaps? Um, If they're in Brad Wilder's shoes from 15, 20 years ago, what are the types of opportunities that maybe they should be looking at uh within their company and within amp in terms of the opportunities available to bolster their career development basically use this as a platform to sort of share your lessons learned and uh what you would advise them to do to potentially progress through the coding's industry
1: yeah if you're in more of my type of role so project management estimating those kind of things office type of jobs get out in the field get out in the field as much as you can learn from the season people who are out there doing the work get to know the field supervisors get to feel the rhythms of the jobs and learn where the pain points are that's the best advice i can give especially if you're in like an estimating role where you really need to understand how the work plays out spend as much time as you can out on the job sites and i would say for amp it's never been easier to be involved you know if there's any good thing that has happened from covid Everything is on zoom now committee meetings, classes, you can do all kinds of things without ever leaving your office. And I know that's a hurdle for, you know, early career people in particular, because it's expensive. Employers don't want to send everybody off to a conference. You don't have time. Even if you're just going to get on a zoom call every now and then to get involved in a committee, I I think most committees would be glad to have you. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of people like me wearing multiple hats and would like to not wear multiple hats forever. Uh, So, we we need those people to get involved and contribute, and like I said, I think every committee chair, and my world is committees, that's what I know, but, you know, every committee chair, task group, whatever it may be, um, we'd be glad to have you. We now have also these technical communities of interest. Uh, I think there's some social communities of interest now with an AMP that just launched around the time of the conference. Uh, I think there's one for young professionals, actually. So, I would say get involved. In those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And and then finally, I would say never stop learning. Don't graduate college or trade school or, you know, whatever your path may be, and then go work and never learn anything else. This industry changes as all industry, all industries do. So take the classes, read some books, you know, talk to some experts. People love to talk about what they know about. So ask questions and, you know, do everything you can to to stay up to speed on what's going on in the industry. Mm-hmm. I think associations are a great, great place to do that.
0: For sure, and I think that's very valuable perspective for our audience, especially some of the younger crowd. Brad, I think this has been fantastic insight. For anyone that has uh, further questions, if they want to follow up with you, um, what's contact information for you or Ntech if uh, one of our listeners wants to know more?
1: Yeah, to find me, um, I'm on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way to find me, uh, Bradley Wilder on, on LinkedIn. INTECH uh, also has a LinkedIn page, so INTECH is I-N-T-E-C-H, INTECH Contracting, or you could also go to INTECHcontracting.com and connect with us there.
0: Sounds good. Folks, he is Brad Wilder, Bridge Painting Division Manager at INTECH Contracting. I am Ben DuBose, News Editor with the Association for Materials Protection and Performance, specifically the Publications Team, Codings for Magazine, Materials Performance Magazine. Brad, thanks so much for the time. For those of our listeners, thank Thank you you for tuning in as well. And we'll have another episode very soon here on the Codings Pro interview series. Enjoy the rest of your day.